0: Welcome to World in Ten Towers. Also
1: known as the Office
0: of the Times of London. <laughs> yes, fair enough indeed. From where Eleanor Sherwood and I, Toby Gillis, will today tell of projectiles and presidents, tennis and TV. And I know you want to do the last one, Eleanor.
1: Yes, please. Kangaroo courts and kangaroos. Yeah,
0: and all in just ten minutes. There have been two major threats to the West from Russia, well beyond their assault on Ukraine, and while vastly different in their nature they're similarly themed. The first, nuclear
1: Armageddon on European cities. The second, a suggestion attacking the undersea cables, bringing the internet to the whole continent, is now fair game.
0: Yeah, let's start with the more explosive, shall we? This from one of Vladimir Putin's closest foreign policy advisors, a top scientist called Professor Sergei Karaganov.
1: He's told the president they should be ready to drop nukes on cities of countries who keep defending Ukraine, specifically mentioning Poznan in Poland.
0: It comes on the day... It's confirmed that Russia has moved nuclear weapons to ally Belarus, and the president there, Alexander Lukashenko, has spoken about it, threatening anyone who shows aggression to the country. summarizing
1: here but he's saying nobody's been at war against a country that has nuclear weapons they've got missiles and bombs from russia both are three times more powerful than those dropped on hiroshima
0: yeah so how realistic is this a question we've asked times foreign correspondent mark Bennett before we've done so once more today of course (laughs) no doubt we will again as well Mm. uh, as each threat is analyzed in its own right Karaganov's thinking is believed to have influenced Putin's views on Ukraine and the West. So Putin's rhetoric in recent years has been influenced a lot by Karaganov. So, I mean, I think uh, Karaganov's comment was timed to coincide with the deployment of the missiles to Belarus. The best case in our day, it's just rhetoric. If it's not rhetoric, I guess we'll find out very soon.
1: So we're worried about nuclear bombs. Well, what about our entire global communications? Another close ally of Putin's, Dmitry Medvedev, has suggested Russia has no reason not to destroy the undersea cables that effectively take the internet to much of the Western world.
0: It's in response to suggestions reported in major US media outlets that Ukraine may have actually been behind the Nord Stream explosions, which damaged one of Russia's most important energy corridors back in September.
1: So let's analyse this threat. Here's the Times science editor Tom Whipple.
0: Cutting our internet connection to the rest of the world would be surprisingly easy, and the impact could be catastrophic across the whole of the world. There are about 200 fibre optic cables that carry 95% of the world's internet traffic. The world would ostensibly, if we got rid of all of these internet connections, go back to where it was maybe in the late 1990s. Although, of course, in the late 1990s, we hadn't built our entire system of logistics and commerce around these cables. Pretty sure you'll know if there's no more internet when the world in 10 stops arriving in your podcast inbox every day. (laughs)
1: His hair shone like a golden light bulb. I mean, there's only one person that headline could be about today, really, isn't there? Donald Trump. He's been back in court, this time charged with mishandling sensitive files. Will Pavia, the man behind that Times headline, was there.
0: The very extraordinary thing, really, was for a man who used to be the most powerful man in the world and who's used to everyone waiting for him, he'd sat in court waiting for, for a good 15 or 20 minutes. He was flanked by his two lawyers and uh, the judge seemed quite excited to be there. He thanked everybody who'd made it happen. He thanked the marshals, the police. He thanked the clerk of the court. And then it was a fairly sort of formal proceeding. He sat there. He didn't say anything during the hearing, apart from sort of conferring with his lawyers. And then we all watched as the former president stood up and he sort of glared at the public gallery for a moment. And then he stepped out of a side door. Trump didn't utter a word in court, but, as is his wont, the silence didn't last long. A 30-minute speech to supporters followed when he got home. The 45th US president, explosive in his analysis, branding the country as rigged and vowing to take revenge. I will appoint a real special prosecutor to go after the most corrupt president in the history of the United States of America, Joe Biden... And the entire Biden crime family. I will totally obliterate the deep state. We will obliterate the deep state. And we know who they are. I know exactly who they are.
1: So we find ourselves again asking the question, is this man going to re-enter the White House? He would become the first sitting president facing criminal charges. Maybe that's looking less likely today because The Times is reporting how in Florida, the very state where he appeared in court yesterday, Trump is facing increasing competition from Ron DeSantis.
0: Yeah, the story shows a recent poll of Republican voters in the state, with the pair both polling at 41% as voters' first choice for the party's nomination. The interesting element, though, is when second choices were counted. DeSantis would have won the primary with 71% to Trump's 51
1: this was carried out last weekend, so before Trump's court appearance, but it does give an indication of how things may be going there, especially as Florida's a bellwether state. It's worth mentioning that Trump does fare better in national polls at the moment, and his former chief of staff Mick Mulvaney still thinks he's likely to win the Republican nomination.
0: The Republican primary voters are the ones who are more likely to think this is a witch hunt. Um, they are the folks who decide um, the winner in a Republican primary independent voters, folks who switch back and forth between parties who don't follow politics very closely. Those are the folks more likely to believe that these charges are quite serious. Obviously, they don't think it's as serious as as hard Democrat voters, but they could be swayed and they'd be less likely to vote for Trump as a result of this indictment. So put all that together and you have Donald Trump more likely to become the Republican nominee and then more likely to lose to Joe Biden or another Democrat. I find the mentality of sports stars fascinating and sometimes you hear elements within that that stop you in your tracks. Today, Eleanor was one of those moments.
1: Yeah, you do wonder if sport's worth it sometimes, don't you? This is the story of Nick Kyrgios, one of the most divisive figures in tennis. He's among the most naturally talented players we've seen, but one who struggles with consistency and focus. His latest revelations reveal how the pressures of the game once drove him to the depths of despair.
0: In the latest edition of Netflix's Breakpoint documentary, The Australian explains how he checked himself into a London psychiatric ward because of his mental state after defeat at Wimbledon in 2019, saying, I was contemplating if I wanted to commit suicide.
1: And he's also told about how he wore a white arm sleeve during the tournament to hide the scars of
0: self-harm. Let's hope he's better now.
1: Mm. Should what happens behind the doors of a private company, if it doesn't break the law, be the business of politicians? That
0: is what we're all asking in the UK, where it turns out one of the most famous TV presenters, Philip Schofield, had a secret affair with a much younger runner on This Morning, the show he hosted and then lied about it to his bosses when rumours became rife behind the scenes.
1: Now, he said the relationship was unwise but not illegal. But in spite of that, Parliament has stepped in. Some of the bosses of the channel ITV, where Schofield work, have been hauled in for questioning
0: by MPs. The channel's head, Dame Carolyn McCall, denied that there was a toxic culture on this morning. And even though rumours around the relationship were reviewed, the denials by both parties, she said, made it impossible to take action. With evidence, we would have been able to, to launch a formal investigation um, because the imbalance of power, uh, the imbalance in, 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 of dynamics in that relationship makes it deeply inappropriate. And we have policies that say that very clearly. Schofield quit his job a fortnight ago when he admitted to the affair and says he now believes his career as one of TV's biggest names is over.
1: Okay, let's finish on a slightly happier no 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 hoppier note. Because we've got some new revelations about kangaroos.
0: Yeah, although they're not exactly hoppy, quite the um ho- hoppers it excellent because a new study has shown the early kangaroo didn't actually hop at all
1: in fact scientists who've looked at fossils that are over 25 million years old found that before humans made it to australia the kangaroos there strode around kind of like mini t-rexes
0: scary but then mm-hmm. australia got drier and they needed a quicker method of getting to water hence the so-called Endurance hop.
1: Well, hopefully, you've done more than endured us today. If you have, you can get more of this type of journalism with a subscription to The Times at thetimes.co.uk. Yeah,
0: do do that and listen to us again tomorrow as we hop off ourselves (laughs) for today. Cheers.
1: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.